The names of this story have been changed to protect those involved. The names of this story have been changed to protect those involved. I'll tell you a little bit about my mentor, Brother Belshazzar. Brother Belshazzar uh, grew up in the 60s during the Jesus movement. He has faithfully lived by faith, what he would call truth faith, for over four decades. That means this. He's never once asked for money. He was influenced by a man named George Mueller. Who's heard of George Mueller? Uh, tonight, before the Astros game, and before we clinch another good win, go ahead and go on Amazon and watch a biography of George Mueller. It's about a man who built orphanages by faith. He basically, in his lifetime, gave away the equivalent to $180 million to orphans. He's a hero of the faith, George Mueller. And my friend, Brother Balshafsar, read his book and was influenced by him and wanted to live his life that way and has lived his life that way. So my dear brother was in a, in a slump. He was in a difficult time. And all of his friends and pastors came alongside him and said, brother, we, we made this offering. We collected this money. We want to bless you. And the, the pastor had this bag, this one-gallon Ziploc bag filled with 100s and 20s and 50s and just full of money, just this huge bag of money. And they're like, brother, please take this. Please receive this. This is our love and gift for you. Would you please receive this? And, and very simply, Brother Belshazzar was like, no. God didn't tell me to take that money. I'm not going to take that money. I don't need that money. I didn't ask for that money. Vain is the help of man. And this just began to be more persistent. No, brother, please take it. We, 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 all, we love you. We want to show our love. We want to show our appreciation. No, I don't want that money. God told me not to take it. I'm not going to take it. No, brother, please take the money. So eventually he goes, fine, I'll take the money. It's a windy day in Houston, Texas. He takes the money and he throws it into the wind. All the money is flying around like one of them cash machines, those cash grabs. And that's exactly what the pastors were doing. The missionaries, the pastors were like, oh, God. And they're grabbing their money and they're bending down and then some of them are on their knees. And then their brother Belshazzar, you know what he says? <laughs> Bow to your God. Bow to your God. That influenced me, as you can tell. That was one of those moments where you're a young believer and you're just going, well, this is a day I'll always remember. And then Brother Belshazzar said it, and it's the passage that we're going to read today. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be reading one of the most confusing passages of the Bible. Out of all the parables and stories that Jesus tells, this is one of the most confusing ones. This is a problem text. This is a hard saying of Jesus. This on face value is difficult to understand, so you really have to buckle in, you really have to pay attention, or you will miss the, the point of the rabbi here. Luke chapter 16, we're gonna be reading verses one through 15, and before we read, let's pray. Holy Spirit, help. I thank you, Lord, for your generosity. I thank you that you always come and help. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. Amen. 
Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Ouch. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking away the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what I, to, what I should do. That I might put out, that when I am put out of the stewardship, excuse me, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly. Here, write 50, and the emphasis is that so that we'll split it. We'll split the remainder. Then he said to the other, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, here, take your bill, and write 80, so we'll split. So the master, this is the point people don't understand, the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say unto you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that means riches, that when you fail, that means to die, they may welcome you into an everlasting home or habitation. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true Riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all of these things, and they derided him and said to him, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. It's an incredible parable. And to understand this parable, I'm going to tell you a parable. So there I was. I was in about the third grade, I think, and my dad was a banker, and he pulled up outside, gave me a ride to Carlston Elementary, and he pulled right up to the, the, the child drop-off, and I said, Dad, can I have some money for some pencils? And he goes, yes, son, of course. All that you would ever ask, son. And he pulls out a roll of quarters, now, I don't know if you ever got paid as a roll of quarters as a kid, but if you're a banker's son, that's a normal thing. 
And so I got a roll of quarters. It was $10. And he goes, that's going to take care of everything you need. Your ice creams, your pencils, your erasers. Just be wise with it, son. Be responsible. Okay, dad. And so I took that roll of quarters. And I walked into the school. And I went to the pencil machine because I needed to buy a pencil. And I got kind of enamored with it. I've never had this many quarters before. And all the quarters are shiny and brand new, straight from the Federal Reserve. And so I put the quarter in push the machine, ka-chink, and out comes a pencil. Wow, look at this pencil. Ka-chink, ka-chink, look at these pencils. Ka-chink, 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 ka-chink. I got 10 pencils. I got pencils for days. And then it came back to my mind, save for a rainy day. Okay. And some of you, that was a word for God for you. You need to start saving. But I had all these pencils, and I had the leftover quarters, and I remember walking down the hallway, and I'm flashing my pencils And then some girl was like, oh, can I have that rainbow unicorn pencil? And I said, for 75 cents? And then it started. Oh, did it ever start? By lunchtime, I had a bag full of money. I had a bag full of pencils. I actually emptied out the entire pencil machine. I had the monopoly in the market in less than four hours before lunch. You wanted a pencil at Carlson Elementary? You had to come by me. I had all these pencils. I had all this money. I literally had a close to $40 in that bag. I'm like in third grade. Good morning, Carlson Elementary. This is Principal Skinner. No one is allowed to sell pencils on school property. The man always trying to keep me down. (laughs) I remember she was wearing a little yellow dress. She came up to me. Her name was Christina. That's bitterness right there. Just letting (laughs) you. She came up to me. Kyle, can I buy a pencil? I'm like, you heard the principal. She's like, I won't tell nobody. All right, 75 cents. Leave it on the counter and I'll just. Leave it on. I'll leave it here and I'll pick it up. We'll go. I, get, I slid that pencil across. She didn't even, she didn't even give me my money. <laughs> she walked straight to the prince, the teacher with that Kyle sold me this pencil. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> William Kyle Volkmer, will you please come to the principal's office? It's a long walk there. I walk. 30 minutes later, in comes dad. Oh, I'm in trouble. My dad walks in. What's happening? Did he get in a fight? No, okay. Uh, So what happened again? Oh, he did. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. Principal Skinner, can I take my son home now? Yes, you may. Oh. (laughs) Takes me out of the school. Walks into the parking lot. My son is a capitalist. Good job, son. You turn 10 into 50. You're going to be a congressman one day. Not really. (laughs) That go the other way. And so right then and there, I felt it. I felt it. You know what I'm talking about. I felt it. I was like, oh, I got all these quarters. I was literally in this time just taking that bag of money. I remember doing this, friends. I smelt it. (sighs) 
Smells like success. It smells like fun. It smells like mammon. Never once did I remember that that was my father's money. Oh, not once did I remember that it was my dad's money. I didn't even think about giving an account, being responsible, paying back. Generosity was the farthest thing from my mind. You cannot serve God in mammon. Jesus clearly, emphatically tells us you cannot serve God and mammon. And, the, and so we have to understand what is mammon? Because if you can serve mammon instead of serving God, that's a pretty big deal. So we need to understand what is mammon, or more importantly, who is mammon? Because mammon can have servants. Mammon can speak. Mammon is a spirit. Now to us in the West, we don't think in the terms of spirits, do we? Everything has a cause and effect. Everything has physical ramifications. Our default is not the spiritual world. But this book, this holy Bible, was written in a Middle Eastern context. And their default is that we live in a spiritual world in which there are spirits. And I'm just going to prove it to you how we know that we live in a spiritual world and that mammon speaks. As some of you, last week, you took your challenge card and you begin to write on it and you heard some voices. You were like, my name, my address, my, oh, don't give. Save? What about the jet ski? College fund? You heard things. You see, mammon is a spirit. It speaks. It speaks to us. Mammon comes from the Aramaic word, which means riches. It came from the Assyrian concept of a god of wealth. The Assyrians' neighbors were the Babylonians. If you know the story of of Babylon, it came from ancient Babel. Babel was a place in which people gathered together on their own in one accord and tried to build a gateway to God. Uh, They tried to approach the heavens in their own way, trusting in their own self, relying on their own abilities was their approach to God. Bab means gate, El means God, Bab El, they were trying to build a gate to God. And it's in this culture that mammon is first introduced. A spirit of self-reliance, materialism, and wealth. A spirit of get, get, acquire. And we don't have to go far in America to see the spirit of get, to see the spirit of mammon. It's October, November's coming, and Black Friday. And if you want a demonstration of what the spirit of mammon is, look no further than Black Friday, where we trample over every one of each other, and we stomp on each other, getting through the doors with those door busters to get our second toaster. (laughs) You don't need it. And and just another example of, of... Mammon in our culture is as Americans, we have storage units. Stuff we don't want in our house, but we want to keep. Our storage units are the size of other countries' houses, 
So we have houses for our houses. Mammon. Mammon. You cannot serve God. It's impossible to serve both. It's materialism. Pastor Jimmy Evans says, Jimmy Evans says this, Mammon promises us things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. That's what Brother Belshazzar was trying to show us and disciple into us, is that money is not the answer. But we've been, it's, We've been educated and discipled by a culture that tells us that money will solve all of our problems. You've heard it in the back of your mind. You've all had that, that, that you're driving in the car and you're thinking and all of a sudden you're just going, man, I would like to win the lottery. Man, I would like for my rich aunt to die. Yeah, I got you. You think that money will solve all of your problems. You see, it's a reliance on money instead of God. Now, think with me here about this. What does it say right there in the top? In God we trust. Now, I, I originally believed this was written to honor the Lord, but oh, how it has become a mockery. In God we... Why is trust involved in our, our finances? You see this? In God we trust or in our trust fund we trust? You see, why it's, I think what was originally an honoring thing has now become a symbol of mockery to God. We cannot serve him in money. Last Sunday, Pastor CV, he did a wonderful job telling us about the lordship of Jesus and that finances should be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that tithing is just an example of obedience to Jesus. It's just a lordship issue. And he said, Jesus is Lord of all or not at? Okay, very good. Jesus is Lord of all or not at? The man who said that, little background, his name was Samuel Zwemer. He was a missionary to the Arabian Peninsula. The entire subcontinent of Arabia is lost and in dark still to this day. There's no light and no gospel witness there. Samuel Zwemer didn't just make a pontificating statement. He went to Arabia to plant the church. He started a hospital as a way of service. And not only did he dedicate all of his time and his finances to advance the cause there in Arabia... In the same hospital that he started to minister to the people, his two precious daughters contracted an illness and a virus, and he buried them in the sand. He put his money where his mouth was. It wasn't just a statement. It wasn't just lip service of service, but rather, he was Lord of all. Jesus was king. I had to learn this this was hard for me. Mammon bit me hard. 
I had to get through and process through this specifically. I'm, I'm telling you from my own personal experiences, this was a difficult for one for me. I had to grow in this area. I can remember exactly where I was. Many years ago, I had just become a missionary uh, through the Lord's providence. I had a house. I, I was at campus missionary. I was doing all that I can, working and laboring, but I was living completely by faith. Everything that came in is what was my salary. I was living by faith. And I remember one day, I was $500 short and the bill was due the next, very next day. And it was getting to a desperate time. Me and my wife were upset about it. We had, you know, there was disagreement there. It was my fault. It's my responsibility to take care of my family. For he who does not provide for his family is worse than unbeliever, the Bible says. And I'm just sitting there in the truck and I don't want to go inside because I can't face the reality of, of not being able to pay my bills. And I just remember grabbing the steel, steering wheel and crying out to God and saying, Jesus, you promised. I trusted you. I'm gonna go in there a bum? Some beggar? So I went inside. Thankfully she was asleep. And I sat down, a broke beggar at the feet of Jesus. I opened the door. The Lord Jesus told me to give this to you. It's $500. And before you get so excited, it had the opposite effect in me. I closed the door. I sat on the couch, and I said, God, you see me. It was a sobering revelation of the omniscience of God, that every hair on my head, every part and intricate detail of my life, that God, the ancient one of days, saw. People want to know why I preach such holiness message. Why I'm such a hardliner? Because God sees. He is the God who sees. Lord, help me to trust. So we go from one ditch to the other, being content with very little to now being content with much. Being blessed, having the favor of God, stewarding resources from one ditch to the other. That's why Paul says that godliness with contentment is great gain in 1 Timothy in the sixth chapter. That he wants us to be content. Contentment is the opposite of the spirit of get. You see, you can be absolutely broke and still be under the spirit of mammon. You can be dead broke and still be in, I want this, I gotta have this, I gotta have this. And you can be completely and utterly affluent and rich and not be under the spirit of mammon. I want to give this. I want to give this. I want to steward this. I want to build a hospital. I want to build an orphanage. You see this? Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
That's why Paul tells us that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Now, most people put that on the back of a bumper sticker or the girls have it on their O'Connor letter jackets. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Context is king, people. The context of that passage is that Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whether I'm abased or abound, whether I'm full or hungry, whether I suffer or whether I have need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To be content. Let's go back to elementary school. So there I was. I remember being in third grade, and I loved comic books. I absolutely loved comic books, and I loved drawing the comic book figures, and I would spend intricate amounts of time drawing these figures, and Superman was one of my favorites. Now I know Superman's a little bit overpowered. (laughs) Yeah, he's OP. And I was a kid, and I'm extremely dyslexic. And so that means I see things a little differently. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. I thought as a kid that this was Kryptonian language, like symbols of an alien religion, like the language of Krypton. That's what I thought. It wasn't until one day I was drawing next to another kid, and he had a simple triangle with an S in it, and I was like, well, who's that? And he goes, well, that's Superman. And I'm like, why did you mess up his Kryptonian language shield? And he goes, what are you talking about? It's an S. And I'm like, it's not an S. Oh my God, it's an S. <laughs> and then it went even further. When you see the 1950s Superman, you're like, it's an S. You ever been blind to something? You ever been blind to something? You ever thought something with such passionate conviction and turns out you were dead wrong? It was just, I'll give you, I'll walk you through my financial journey here. I used to think that tithing is the law. It's mosaic. It passed away. Then I found out that tithing was actually before the law with Abraham and Jacob. That was prior to Moses. And then I found out that Jesus says that you should tithe in Matthew 23. Oh my God, it's an S. I had that realization. I used to think, well, I'm generous. Then I found out from the wisdom of scriptures that generosity starts after the tithe, in addition to the tithe, that you can't truly be generous unless you already tithe and you stack your your generosity on top of your tithe. Oh my God, it's an S. I give my time, I serve. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Oh my Jesus, it's an S. I'm a ministry leader. I live off the tithe. Be examples to the flock of God. Lead by example. Never ask anything of anyone that you yourself aren't willing to do yourself. That's a big S. I'll just give to missions or to charity organizations. The wisdom of the Bible says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the church. Honor the Lord with the increase of your labor. That tithing is saying that you trust God. That's an S. 
In fact, let's talk about missions. If everybody tithed, the problem of finances and missions would be over with. Just in the American church alone. If the American church tithed, there'd be no financial problem regarding missionaries. It would just be about sending them. It would just be about, it would no longer be a problem of nickels. It would be a problem of noses. We would have the finances. We would just need to find the people. Interesting. And then finally, the most important one, I don't have enough to give. With that mentality and all humility, you never will. Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Remember the story of the widow who threw her two copper coins into the offering. And everyone, the religious people, oh, it's so little. Jesus says, it's so much. Now, people always talk about how she gave all they had, and that's what they preach, and that's the emphasis part of the sermon. That's what they put their focus on. You know what really ponders my mind? Jesus is watching the offering. He's the God who sees. Jesus watches our giving. He who is faithful in what is little is faithful also in much. People are excited that, well, this church gives 10% of its money to missions. Do you know that started a long time ago in John Van Pay's paper route? You see, this great manifestation of generosity, what you're seeing now, ultimately started a long time ago because someone was faithful in the little. Be faithful in the little and you will be entrusted with the much. Money is the proof of our trust. Money is the proof of where our heart is. Tithing simply is just obedience to God. Generosity starts in addition to the tithe. So how do we know if we're under the influence of mammon? Well, mammon smells like worry. Mammon smells like worry. People are always worried about how to get money. Then when they have money, they're always worried about how to keep it. Mammon smells like worry. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Being content. Being content. I'll just say this. I want to protect you from the end time and the deception that will come upon the world. The Antichrist will rule the world and he'll do it through finances because he will refuse the right to buy and sell unless they have the mark. He will use the spirit of mammon, that idolatrous love of the world's goods, Greed and covetousness and selfishness are all manifestations of the spirit of mammon. Mammon has two friends, the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride. Very simply, the spirit of poverty says this, well, that's a nice shirt, pastor. Oh, somebody gave this to me. 
That's a nice, that's a nice car, pastor. Oh, it's a rental. Oh, that's a nice house, pastor. Oh, it was a foreclosure. Just say thank you. Just say thank you. That's the spirit of poverty, the spirit of pride. That's a nice house. Oh, you should see the one we're gonna buy by the lake. That's a nice shirt. I got three more just like it. That's a nice car. I can't wait for next year's model to come out. Pride and poverty are both based on comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 